Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Spooked. The Scary Story Improvised Podcast. I'm Damian Depping. I'm Colin Morey. I'm Cody Crane. Hey, boys. Oh, hi. Hi, Damian. You're on that side again. Yeah. What happened? Well, I was testing out that side, but I was like, yeah, you know what? I like this side. Okay. I want to give like a little bit of an insider uh, thing for our uh, folks at home before we introduce our terrific guest. Yeah. Insider. Um, This thing I thought that was weird is that (sighs) Colin... What Honest. are you gonna make up about me? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it, what are you gonna make up about me this week, huh? Because we come into the studio, we come in at different times or whatever. But Colin, uh, when you tell me that you're on your way, you always send me your lift status so I can <laughs> follow the ride. Yeah. Do you actually? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I that's think a it's... weird thing to do. It's that like is a weird I, thing like to do. Like you don't think I believe that you're coming? No, it's just that I like my friends knowing where I am, knowing that I'm safe. And I'll be on time. Oh, we weren't worried about that. Oh, well, I was. <laughs> well, I was in the car, so it didn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, well, he sent me where you were, so I was tracking you. Okay, so he could track you, but when, if we did a lift share, yeah. I'm not able to see where the hell we are. That does That is bananas. I that, could that... see where you were, but you couldn't. Yes, on the, on the app, I'm saying. I mean, physically, I could see where <laughs> I was. I mean, Lyft isn't going to be a sponsor now. They should be. We're trying to work with you to improve your product, Lyft. That's all we're trying to do. Well, what I'm trying to say is that Lyft blows. But you know who doesn't? Oh, our guest tonight. We got Johnny Wonder here. Cody Crane's opinions do not oh, wow. represent the podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to be. Is it, is it, have I started talking now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> or greenlit to talk. Greenlit to talk. Like yeah. The, uh, the high level takeaway from that little conversation, I would say, mm-hmm. is that your friend's your friend. He doesn't care, but your friend yeah. cares about. I was your in the car. I cared. I was physically there. <laughs> and uh, whether he expressed the amount of you know uh, empathy and emotional like. Mm. You know, yeah. thing that you needed. Uh, he cares. He's looking. He's tracking. Thanks, yeah, Cody does have a hard time expressing his emotions. Yeah. Though. Well, I just think it's. Do you not think that's weird though to send someone like your lift status to so they know where you are? Well, it depends what the. I, I guess it depends what his motives were. If it was like, hey, look, like oh. y- you think I'm always lying. I'm proving to you that I'm not lying. So I'm actually showing up. It could be a trust issue on your part. I or, I never yeah. <laughs> I have never stated that I want to know where he is at any time. Or he was in crisis and he was sending you his whereabouts so you could call the police. I thought he was bragging that he oh. was driving through Wesleyville. Oh, that's what he was doing. <laughs> I'm in the yeah, nice which is part a whole of town. Another, which is a whole other, uh, probably a whole other podcast that we could start. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'll let you guys figure it yeah. out. Yeah. The inner workings of your friends and how they manipulate manipulate you. Uh, yeah, so it's good to be here. Yeah, it's Thank good you to so have. much for coming. Uh, this is exciting. Uh, Johnny, you're a uh, producer. You've done a bit of acting. you got a writing. Yeah, I, I mean... You do it all. I've kind of like I think my mother would say I'm a I, I'm a drifter. I've kind of done <laughs> everything, but I'll I guess I'll give you the the bullet points. So I'm from born and raised in Seattle, um, West Seattle, and then when I was right out of high school, I was a, a bat boy for the Anaheim Angels. Um, oh, okay. My godfather pitched for them and and sort of said whenever I graduate from high school that if there was a job opening that. He would try to get me in there, so I went and picked up jocks and did all that stuff for about a year and a half, <laughs> yeah. which is a you know I have a b- bunch of stories I could tell from that, but it'll take too long. Um, <laughs> and then I 
Um, during that time, I got really, really good at golf, which, you know, how you're, it's funny how life happens. You know, you know I think my life was kind of going in a certain trajectory, which equaled, mm-hmm. you know, working for my old man and doing the family thing, staying in West Seattle. And the moment I picked up a golf club, my life shot off into a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ended up in California, uh, played for a little while, um, was never good enough to go pro, but was, that was the intent. And then I played a couple of tournaments against some pretty top level amateurs and at that point i kind of i was smart enough to go like there's no way in hell i can compete with these guys <laughs> mm. um and then uh ended up moving to la and then i'll kind of fast forward a little bit and in between when i actually got into film and i guess content creation uh i did real estate jobs i managed a nightclub called they do in hollywood i did marketing for uh, a mercedes-benz dealership uh you know, bartended, waited tables, just a bunch of stuff. And then at like 30, I'm 41 now. So at like 30, 33 years old, um, yeah, I had someone in my life that was kind of like, okay, you're, you're doing okay. Like, you know, you're making money and paying the bills, but you're Mm -hmm. miserable. You need to find something new to do because you're Mm -hmm. a piece of shit. (laughs) uh, To put it bluntly. my friend. Tough love. They they have a hard time uh, expressing too. I uh, ended up just sort of like out of spite sending out, uh, I don't know how much you guys know about the film industry, but breaking into the film industry just to pick up jocks in the film industry Mm, is tough. The competition is very thick. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm 33. I didn't graduate from Stanford. I don't know anybody. You know how is this all going to go down so like literally out of spite i printed out like 500 resumes that had no entertainment experience on it I was like all right i'm going to schlep these out and mm-hmm. and uh ended up getting a job as an unpaid assistant for you know small produce smaller producer mm-hmm. um learned a lot did really well in the euros with him got kind of you know recruited by another company that was in a bigger conversation doing bigger things and and succeeded well there and then ultimately landed on um with my current partner um, at the Coalition Group slash Traveling Picture Show Company. And if you don't know those companies, we just produced a movie called, uh, what was called Huntsville. Now it's called Josie with Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones and Dylan mm-hmm. McDermott. Mm-hmm. And that was like our first our first movie that we, we actually made. Because um, it's cool. fun to be in the film business, yeah. but unless you're making movies... Mm-hmm. You're just another schmuck with a, with a bunch of good ideas. And, uh-huh. and uh, that's primarily what I do now. That's I'm a partner in a company in L.A. and I live in Toronto, which is weird enough. Uh, I have two kids, so you have to go where the babies are. And then on top of that, I'm also uh, I produce and develop all the original content for a pretty big website uh, called Golf WRX. Um, and I host a podcast in the studio um, for that website. And um, so it's just a you know two kids and a and a wife and the you know it's just, uh, two different big i guess big jobs that you know hopefully will pay well at some at some point and, uh, you know that's kind of what i'm doing so. real american dream real american dream yeah. um but i guess what got me into this room is is you know in the film side of it um i have an affinity for for scary stuff and um you know i can sort of dive into that if you want to hear yeah it a you, bit. you uh you I came to the right cody place. was telling me about this because i want to know here first before okay. we dive into this do you believe in ghosts i do yeah i do okay i feel like that's like a requirement to be for what <laughs> for what for what i don't know to like scary stuff See, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, no, it's, it sort of is because yeah. I mean I agree I, I agree I, with you like uh, not I mean I okay. don't know exactly what you you don't have to pity him <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we I already think, do I think you have to be open minded to something outside of our own reality our own perception and you know uh, whether it's 
whether it's faith in a higher power or, you know, ghosts around the corner or something, different planes or, you know, metrics or whatever the hell you want to call them. Um, you have to have a little bit of an open mind to, to, uh, scares that don't look like a lion or a tiger, uh, you know, or something immediate, like right in front of your face. So I think believing in ghosts is sort of a prerequisite for liking scary stuff. Yeah. Maybe um, not like a requirement, well, but definitely I, something that like, I kind of disagree. I do not believe in any of that stuff at all. And I still like scary stuff. Okay. I love Stephen King books. I love things like that. I don't mind monsters and ghosts and stuff, but I don't think that they are real. Okay. I mean, I don't believe in magic, yet I still like Harry Potter. I don't think a, an inherent belief in the thing is required to enjoy the content for what it is. I, I guess too. I guess that's an interesting argument to, to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy because that's storytelling, yeah. right? Yes. Like, I mean, that's and that's what I get from it is okay. an enjoyment. Yes, um, it feels like Colin knew all of this information, and he put you in a trap. Here. He right. did. He trapped <laughs> yeah. you to get uh, called out. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's it's also it's scary, like, isn't it? <laughs> to to seek it out and to be able to identify, like for my mm-hmm. for my chosen to seek it out and to to find you know intellectual property or things that yep. that have that that texture to it i think you sort of have to do you, you kind of have to believe a little bit um, i, I, I can see that curiosity mm-hmm. yeah um when you have a different kind of drive for it I, I i can understand that right that motivation for it for sure but at a baseline level like do you have to believe <laughs> yeah. in ghosts to like scary stories no no yes no so i can i think that was calling no, that's you, you that's set that where up, I, you son I, of a gun. I may have misspoke yeah. on that but three yeah. or four of us believe in ghosts right this mm-hmm. table. okay got one joker over here no, I will. I will preface this by saying also that I, I am one of those people that would love to be able to walk into a scary house and feel the weight and feel mm. like the you know mm-hmm. I, I I have to manufacture those feelings for myself, <laughs> like talk myself into it. Um, That's interesting. But I'm not an open vessel where I can walk in. Like I have friends that'll walk into a you know haunted house or like a, a haunted, which I'll get into in a second. But like some of the properties that we that we own mm-hmm. and are developing. And they'll walk in and be like, nope, no, no fucking way I'm going in here. Energy's too thick. Can't do it. And I'm just like, it's a freaking lobby of a hotel. I, can, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I don't feel anything. I smell food, but that's about as far as I'll go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't like the deep fryer smell. Right. I know that sometimes. <laughs> you know when you're like by a condo with a McDonald's <laughs> in the bottom and you're like 30 feet away from it, but that's where the vents are and you get hit with French fries and you're like, no. Sure. <laughs> All right. That's what, what he just said. Yeah. That's have what you, it's like. Uh, I'm have guessing. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? I have night terrors, so I think where where I like a sleep paralysis kind of deal. Yeah, like I've had multiple moments um, in my you know my life in my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had moments where you you have that like uh, you slip in a dream and you feel like somebody pulled your feet down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've yeah. had that. Yeah. Um, but I've also had, uh, you know, experience where I've had a really, really one really gnarly one that I can still, you know, remember everything from. Um, I was living in Balboa Island um, in Newport Beach and blah, 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 California. And, and um, roommates, you know, we had this old house. And for whatever reason, it, it was the pattern for me is if I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't go back to sleep and I end up falling asleep at like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. to go back to bed that's like my hot time. Like that's when I know I'm going to have some, something funky is okay. going to happen. Okay. And it kind of triggers it. I don't know what it is. So I had mm-hmm. a night like that and it like, you know, I had probably been asleep for like 45 minutes and I was having a really terrible nightmare about the house that we were living in. And, um, 
in my rea- like what I felt was I'd actually woken up, but I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all I heard on the side of my bed was scratching. Ooh. Like a dog scratching the side of the bed. And I'm trying to like lean over to see what it is. And at that point I couldn't move. So I start in my mind screaming to my roommate Preston, like Preston, 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 like get in here, get in here. And eventually, and I could see him walk into my room and I could see him walk up to me and wake me up. And finally I kind of came into reality and he's like, dude, what is going on? And I go, did you see the, where's the dog? Like, there's a dog here. He's like, dude, there's no dog. And I'm like, I was screaming to you. He's like, dude, you weren't screaming. You were just kind of whispering my name. And I just happened to be going to the bathroom and I looked in and your doors never opened and it was open. And he's like, but you were whispering my name and your eyes were wide open and you weren't blinking. <laughs> and what I could feel when the thing was next to my bed or whatever it was, is I could actually feel something on top of me. Like, you know, like face to face, like if I would have looked up that way, I would have seen a face type thing, but I couldn't, you know, position myself to, to get, to see what was there, but it was like oh, something, mm-hmm. something right on top of you. And that's crazy. It scared the crap out of me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if it was like residual alcohol from two nights before. Like, I have no idea what caused that, but, um, that was like the night terror that I had that really scared the crap out mm-hmm. of me. And, um, you know, since then I've had a few experiences, like that, but nothing that, that nothing vivid. that vivid yeah. whereas you know you're awake yeah. and i could tell it like i'm telling it right now yeah so anyway have you ever watched the documentary the nightmare i have well um i know the filmmaker and oh, i've okay. watched i've watched part of the filmmaker's name i this is lee stoby represents him i'm just gonna i'm name dropping right now i'm trying to remember <laughs> but i know his manager and i got introduced to the filmmaker um i don't remember his name but I haven't seen the full documentary. I've got I got into it. It's like yeah. a it's very detailed. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very good. slow burn kind yeah. of like, you know, you have to really want to sit down there and watch it. But a lot of people uh, like are scared to watch it, especially if they've had like sleep paralysis, because once you kind of watch it, you kind of like think about it more and you're more like kind of in tune to get that sleep paralysis again. So, and that's, I think they talk about it a little bit in the documentary too. Like when people are hearing stories of sleep paralysis, they're more likely to then get that. Oh, like when your parents get a new car and then you start seeing that car everywhere kind of thing? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sure. (laughs) Not what he said. I mean, it's kind of the same. (laughs) Well, it's also like, it's also like perception. Like I, I I talk about this a lot with, with screenwriters and they talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, where stories come from. And if you read certain books, it'll tell you like there's seven archetypes of characters or Mm -hmm. seven types of stories you can tell them blah 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 blah, all this stuff and like in regards to like nightmares like that's an interesting kind of way way into like now i'm trying to recreate that scenario out of curiosity because sometimes curiosity will outpace your fear yeah yeah, yeah. and you sort of like okay great like i didn't sleep i woke up in the middle of the night and i'm something gnarly is going to happen and you're already sort of subconsciously setting yourself up so at that point it's like well is it real or is it like did you is it manufactured Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a lot of that time that that happens with stories, it'll be like people like I have this great idea for this, 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 and this, and this. And then I always ask them like, what kind of movies did you watch when you were a kid? Yeah. And the characters and the path to like resolution and a lot of stuff will actually start to fit the, the, what they grew up watching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, you'll have a lot of screenwriters that'll talk about like, I, uh, this has got nothing to do with the show, but I think it's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, well, sometimes what I would do in these in these um, 
mentorship programs that you do with screenwriters is I'll pitch them a story mm -hmm. and I won't name any names and I'll go, okay, this is about a farm boy that, you know, his parents died and he's by himself. He's got his, you know, his, he's living with some family, family members and he's on this farm and he hates his life and he really just wants to get out. And ultimately he goes on this journey to find his dad and he finds out his dad wasn't a very good guy. And you start to tell that story. People are like, oh, this is like, you know, this sounds, you know, a little bit familiar. This and that. Mm -hmm. And then you drop it. Well, this is that's Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But it's yeah. a story mm -hmm. that's been told a million times over and oh, over yeah. and over again. But ultimately, like when you tell that story, it starts to recreate. And all of a sudden, like the different examples of that narrative start to pop in everybody's head. It's like, oh, it could be this, this, and this. But, but that story is littered with lightsabers and Jedis and shit. But at the, at the mm. end of the day, it's like. It's still got the same. Uh, just a like, kid looking for yeah. his dad. Like, that's it. It's a family story. And um, I don't know what the point of telling that was, <laughs> but I, I think, like, our, our ways into finding what scares us, what motivates us, what, what you know, I guess flips our switch is yeah. it's, uh, it, that sort of unites everybody. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway. It just it proves the point that everyone's always saying that nothing's original in Hollywood mm -hmm. anymore. <laughs> well, it kind of yeah. can't be. Like, <laughs> how many how many times have you watched? And I love studio movies. I go watch the Avengers fifty times over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that stuff because it's like uh, I always my analogy for it is I, I want to go to get a cheeseburger. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna go on and get a cheeseburger. Hey, like, who gave me doesn't? a cheeseburger? Like that's all I want. So. Can we get some cheeseburgers in here? <laughs> yeah. And um, but they're recycled recycled stories but then yeah. you'll see mm. something like you know i just saw call me by your name mm. which mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys have seen that yet i haven't but i've heard good things yeah. but that's a new i don't want to call it a new story but those are new characters in a new kind mm -hmm. of you know high level situation yeah. that happens between a young boy and, and an older guy that i'd never seen that story before so for me it's like oh well, it is possible to, but that was in the confines of a, a house like in italy or spain or wherever they mm. were there's no you know, Iron Man or anything flying around. Mm. There, no Iron Man in that no, movie? No, no Iron Man. Iron Man. I, I don't know yeah. if I want to see it anymore. <laughs> I, I think there's more art house <laughs> films that need Iron Man in them. <laughs> Everything needs Iron Man. According to uh, Blake Schneider, uh, Save the Cat, there's only 10 stories. Yeah. And then those are used over yeah. and over. But they also say in order to break the rules, you need to know all the rules. So a movie like that could have known all the rules and broken them. Right. Could have. That, but that's just theory. But you know what else might be theory? <laughs> the story we're about to tell. Oh. Johnny, are you excited to do some improv? I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cody, are you? Yes. I okay, am. cool. Uh, yeah. Damien, what about yourself? Are you excited to do some improv? I'm all right about it. We have one of okay. these that's empty, so I'm going to do I have these eggs time. everywhere in my house because my kids get, we don't let them eat the chocolate, but the Kinder eggs, they always yeah. have prizes in them. Yeah. So <laughs> what do you do with the chocolate? My wife and I oh, okay. eat the chocolate. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. If you never yeah. tell them that there's Genius. chocolate with but them, they they'll the, never they know. They want the Justice League figures in the middle of them. So, oh. <laughs> so these eggs are everywhere. Wait, which ones? There's two left. Okay. They're banned in America, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, they are still currently banned in America. You say it's a choking hazard or something? Yeah. But you're allowed to have your guns in your home, so that's nice. <laughs> Political. That is for the M that's for the NPR. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, for yeah, NPR. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just saw a thing the other day about like a two-year-old who shot herself with a gun that was in the home and died. Oh my god! So, uh, well, I'm welcome glad to glad we're starting this yeah. story on such a high note. Got real. <laughs> hey, you're the one who's talking about choking on Kinder eggs, Colin. Can you I choke just... on these? 
Apparently, uh, the a child can. Inside. Oh. Okay. No, I think it's this, and then they really put it in their this? face. Yeah, and then it's perfect child esophagus size. <laughs> Just cork it up like a bottle of wine. Can we get a doctor in here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Johnny, what did you draw? I got swing. Oh, I got swing as well. That means we have no responsibility in the story. We can be whoever we want, whenever we want. That's what you think, because I got the narrator. And, oh, boy, you better watch out, bud. You're getting so much so much responsibility. So we can chime in whenever? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to say we, Okay. We can do whatever. I'm going to give you a paper route, Cody. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and I drew the uh, celebrity position. So Cody's going to give me four uh, options, and I'm going to have to pick one of them and then do the, an impression of that celebrity throughout the story at uh, some point. All right. So yeah. our uh, four options here are Dwayne Wade, Drake, Sarah Jessica Parker, and in honor of uh, Johnny's uh, podcast, we have Phil Nicholson. Whoa. Oh. Now, I don't know... <laughs> Keep in mind, we have a golf expert to judge you the whole way. Oh, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> like, so if, if you just talk like a white dude... <laughs> oh, then I'll do Phil Mickelson. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Just be a white person. <laughs> Colin's very good at I'm playing white people. Generic white man yeah. one. That's, that's my you, that's bread you, That's Phil Mickelson. That's my he bread just butter. happens to be really good at yeah. golf. <laughs> yeah. I feel like right. there's a few characters that you've done where you're just like, oh, he's a generic white guy. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's a few others. Yeah, in there. I can't hey, remember. No, don't plug yourself. Yeah, stop <laughs> calling out Jake Gyllenhaal too. Jeez, sorry. <laughs> leave the guy alone. He's <laughs> trying to live his life. Just one episode. I wish we'd leave Jake Gyllenhaal alone. Should that be the hashtag for the show? No. Leave Jake Gyllenhaal alone. <laughs> okay. Uh, so as the narrator, we're gonna go to canigeta.com for a location, a relationship, or a word. Let's do. Location and oh, you didn't want to get political, but we just got Oval Office. <laughs> Great. Well, I, wow. I guess it could just be an office that's oval. Yeah, could be anything. Because there's could so because be. there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't say the Oval Office, so. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to. Okay, uh, I think now have we're just getting like, in the details. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying, but. We don't need the glimpse of a mind of a narrator over here. I'm just justifying it for you because you didn't want it to be political. <laughs> whatever happens, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and fit the uh, White House down. Uh, whatever it's called, uh, the the uh, Jerry Butler is that the, is that the name? Olympus of the movie? has fallen. Olympus has fallen. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna follow that storyline. Yeah. <laughs> Something uh, bad's gonna happen. Somebody's, somebody's gonna gonna terrorize the White House, and I don't know the storyline, but I'm intrigued. Okay, <laughs> I have seen uh, uh, Independence Day. Yeah, not same, same movie. No, no, they same. they blow exactly. up the White House, and yeah. that, they so. do that. It happens like two seconds. This is a whole movie of people oh, okay. trying to blow up the White House. So, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, slow. It's called a slow burn. Never <laughs> 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 heard, heard of it. I'm more of a big action right now kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Will Smith flying in and saving the day, baby. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um. Welcome to Shape Town. <laughs> Mr. Circle is standing in his office, looking around, trying to make some phone calls. He's got to find those rectangles with all the words on it. What are they called? Oh, yes, documents. He calls his secretary in, Mr. Triangle. Mr. Triangle has a hard time getting through the door, but eventually he makes it in. Mr. Triangle, in here, into the Oval Office, then. Oh well, yes, sir. What would you like? Oh, uh, hold on. Oh, hold on. my my uh, my my right angle's just stuck at the side of the door there. Oh, Mister Triangle, you do not want to test me on a day like this. I need documents, lots of them. 
Which, which ones, sir? <laughs> All of them. No, oh, there's so many of them to carry, though. Mr. Triangle, I told you, you do not want to test me. And Mr. Triangle knew that he did not want to test Mr. Circle. You're so right. So down to the basement he went to start hauling up those boxes of documents. Box after box. They stacked up around the Oval Office, making a, an almost impenetrable wall around the whole thing. And the final box... I'm so tired. Please let me go home now. But he couldn't leave, for they were walled into the Oval Office. Oh, I've trapped us. Oh, damn it, Mr. Triangle. You knew that I have to watch Survivor tonight. Oh, it's Wednesday already? It's Wednesday. And it's 7 p.m. and everyone knows Survivor's at 8. Uh, I guess I could start taking the boxes down. We're, we're on a time crunch here, Mr. <laughs> Triangle. Let's get to it. But Mr. Triangle couldn't take them down because he'd already glued the boxes together stupidly. <laughs> I just had this bowl of Elmer's and I just figured I'd use it. He uh, didn't want the boxes to fall down after all. <laughs> remember the last time they fell on me? Mr. Triangle. That's how I got this right angle. I, I used to be an equilateral yeah. triangle. Okay. You're just a lot to deal with right now. <laughs> I need you to sort out these documents, figure out a way out of here, and get me home. Okay. <laughs> Contact the head of security. That's right. Head of security here. Captain, yeah. Captain Rectangle. Captain Rectangle. It's Mr. Triangle. This is Captain Rectangle. Uh, noticing that there's a situation, uh, you guys are boxed in, and there's a seems to be a, some sort of weird bowl of animals glue that that makes no sense to this the situation. But uh, what can we I'm do for you today? I'm a crafty individual, but that's besides the point. We're boxed in, and I glued them together, and I don't know how to get out. Now, is there any uh, visible doors that you see there? Anything to pry open? Do you see any doors, Mr. Zergle? Mr. Triangle, do you feel that? Uh, Mr. Rectangle, I'm going to put you on hold for just a minute. That's unnecessary, but go for it. Uh, what are you talking about? Do I feel what? Well, Mr. Triangle, I've been keeping a lot of secrets from you. Mainly that I'm a part-time medium. You're a part-time medium? Like you speak? Usually he wears a large. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I dabble. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, well, um, what do you feel? Well, I feel a lot of things. <laughs> the tightness of this shirt, for one. But also, a presence. More than just Captain Rectangle on the other line. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to talk to Rectangle a bit. <laughs> Do you not hear that? No. Am I going insane? <laughs> I'm not all hip and jive with that medium mumbo jumbo. Okay, I took a course. Does that solidify it for you? We not go back really. to the uh, the medium course. Uh, this was in a... Uh, the, the, the room was more of like an octagon shape. Um, but one of the walls was uh, covered with posters. That was about it. Uh, I'm gonna. This is Captain Rectangle. I'm just gonna force my way back onto the radio here. Uh, do you guys see any Karate Kid posters in the room? Uh, there's been some intel that there are some posters in the wall. Yeah, I hung one up. 
Can I ask you why? Because it was with my Elmer's glue, and I figured <laughs> we'd like to look at something. Mr. Triangle, I'm about to lose it. Who authorized this? What, the poster? Yes, if it wasn't the head of security, it certainly wasn't the head of this thing. Thing. <laughs> okay, Mr. Rectangle, d- did you author... Can Wait, I, wh- I don't need anybody... This is Captain Rectangle. We are hearing some sort of a squeal or somebody falling off of a something in the background. Is that one of you or is that No, I'm firmly planted on the ground. No, I hear it. I hear it too. For it some reason, me. Triangle doesn't. I don't hear a thing. So, you're taking advice from what? A ghost? A spirit? Who, me? Yes. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. He is. Captain Maybe. Rectangle here again, chiming yeah. in through the radio. We're Rectangle? noticing that sound again. It keeps coming through on the radio. Is there anybody else in the room with you? No, just well, me and Circle. Don't forget to mention me. Yeah, yeah me and Mr. Circle. And but me. Yeah, there's definitely another person. And apparently Mr. Circle says there's someone else in here, but yeah. I don't <laughs> see You're the them. only one that doesn't hear it, Triangle. <laughs> Look up, <laughs> dummy. Uh, it sounds like it said look up. And above oh. them, they saw a floating circle? Oh, now that I see the shape, I can hear it. Oh, great. It's my dead mother. No. <laughs> I was a cylinder, but then I fell off the roof. So you're and two-dimensional now, now. I'm a circle. My mother was a cylinder, too. Son? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can't, you can't pull the wool over my eyes, Mom. I didn't recognize you with that mustache. Okay, Mr. Rectangle, you need to get me out of here. I can't be here for a family Triangle, reunion. you are not leaving at this point. So the only way that we can actually get you out is to... Uh, burn it burn down? Burn it down. Oh. So what we yeah. propose here is that we are just going to light it on fire. And if you, you guys will have to figure out how to get out. What's the timeline on that? Six seconds. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's a quick fire. There was no time to waste as there is some sort of a floating orb up <laughs> in the ceiling that talks, which is another problem that we're dealing with. And so as, anyway. And as everyone knows, security's main duty is dealing with the floating circle and not the people's lives. Uh, so so as you guys know, in the room, our biggest uh, concern is dealing with floating circles. And that's always priority one. So <laughs> <laughs> mayors can be replaced. Mayors can be replaced per our rules. So Just get me out of here. Uh, okay. uh, there's a problem with your plan, and this is where it's not going to work, right? We need to act fast at 7.30 or Survivor starts at 8. But I won't be able to watch Survivor if I'm dead. We've taken that into consideration. <laughs> and what we're going to do now before the six seconds starts is we're going to play it on the loudspeaker so you can hear what happens in the end. A special screening of Survivor a just s- for Mr. Circle. So we call it a special hearing for you, sir. It's a special hearing of Survivor. <laughs> is it still going to start at eight? So it's you're going to start me half an hour? right now. So if you'll Early. just listen over it the must, loudspeaker. It must be a special episode. <laughs> 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 Is Mr. Triangle, is there something wrong? Or is they asked Mr. Triangle to close his ears as he wasn't authorized to listen to this episode. He did not sign the NDA, so oh. we're going to have to ask Circle to cover his his ears, question mark? Okay. Yeah, I'll cover them for you. 
Oh, your hands are really sweaty. I'll cover them. You stay out. As you can hear, the floating orb is still giving off some sort of a signal. So if you could just stop talking and we'll (laughs) we'll play it for you now, sir. Um, Here it goes. Previously, (laughs) survivor. Ooh, I don't know if I want to be here for this anymore. You gotta get me out of here, Rectangle. Burn it down now. Wait. Are we on Survivor? I don't know. This is uh, Captain Rectangle again here. Uh, yes, you are on Survivor. Wait, Rectangle, your voice sounds familiar. Are you sure you're not Jeff Probst? God almighty, I'm trying to cover my voice so you don't recognize it's me, but it is me. So what we're going to do here is replace... (laughs) That's right. Mr. Rectangle was in disguise all along. All of a sudden, the paper walls went up in flames, and they could see for the first time that they were actually on a desert island. And Mr. Triangle, here's the conch, so you may speak for the tribe. Oh. Not I don't know if I want all Everybody that realized power. this was a mistake giving Mr. Triangle the conch. <laughs> I don't know Could've if I want Could have any that. other yeah. one of us. And this story oddly sounds like Lord of the, uh, Lord of the Flies, but is that the name of the movie? Uh, yes. Yes? I don't know. I don't know if I want all this power. <laughs> Can you take the conch circle? Gladly. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. (laughs) Mr. Circle decided to pick teams for dodgeball. What? All right. And everyone but Triangle over here. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. uh. I'm the guy who always walks around naked and makes everyone uncomfortable. (laughs) Richard? Great. My name is Gary. The oh. only one that's not a shape. Perfect. Yeah, you're I'm a on shape. Team. <laughs> I'm a very nice shape. Yeah, you and Rhombus over here. This is a fun time. <laughs> we're, wait, we're playing dodgeball on Survivor? This doesn't make any sense. All right, I may have a few questions because Triangle might be onto something here. First and foremost... How are we on the show? Like, how long do I have to be here until I'm voted out? I didn't. The city's gonna be in trouble. <laughs> I'm just an assistant. I don't. Well, know. I, would, I wasn't asking you. Oh, Someone... my name is my name is Bob Rules. I'm coming in here. The <laughs> rules of the game, sir, are if you uh, get uh, hit by a dodgeball, that if so facto, you are off the show. So short season. So be quick. And did my dead mother have to sign any contracts? No. Uh, What? Your dead mother is of no concern to us. I didn't Uh, do anything. But she's on on the show. She seems rather frantic and over-coffee, but Um, we will deal with her later. (laughs) Son, I didn't do anything. So... Well, if we're gonna get off the island, you hit me first. Uh, I want to go. Well, it is only you and Phil <laughs> yeah, Nicholson on a team. And Mr. Triangle got here. hit by several dodgeballs right in his dumb face. Oh, thank you for sending me home. But apparently, you said Phil Mickelson was on the team. That's me. I, I'm just golfing next door. I don't know what you're talking about. 
This island has a resort next door. I'm golfing. All right. It really sounds like Survivor lost its budget this year. <laughs> You're, you put us next to a golf course? We're, what, are we in a sand pit? What's yeah, you are. You're in a you're in a uh, a four uh, a forty foot by forty foot boxed in sand pit. That's right. Survivor had been on the air for so long and started to become a parody of itself. There was no real budget and nobody really gave a shit anymore. So they were just throwing people next to golf courses and telling them they were on an island. Well, enough. This is Jeff Probst with my disguised voice. You get it. Want anybody to know it was me? But uh, that forty. That sand pit is actually a sarlacc pit, so stay out of the middle of it because it wasn't. <laughs> hey, old Jeffy, hey, it's uh, Phil Mickey right here. Hey, man, you wanna you wanna, you wanna hit the links? He didn't. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I have no interest in that at any level. Oh, I. I guess I'm golfing alone today. I guess we've isolated you. Phil Mickelson got hit in the face with several dodgeballs. Ow! Oh! I'm not even playing! Security escorted him off the premises. Bye. Now you get out of here. Phil. <laughs> oh, why did you guys take my teammate away? <laughs> why you, you got hit, too. Yeah, I know. I'm just sitting on this. Nobody, nobody wanted to touch Mr. Triangle. He was still there. Sad. Mm. Whiny. Mm. Alone. I'm alone. Ed, if you want. Son, son, son. I was just about to offer you up to Triangle. What? You know. I don't know what you mean. He's lonely. Uh Uh-huh. Needs a friend. What does that have to do with me? Well, I thought you're dead. You won't care. You'll spend time. Excuse me? Well, Will you care? No, that's rather rude of you. No, you won't care. Good. <laughs> Who are you talking to, Mr. Circle? <laughs> do, you, do you still not see it? I did for a hot minute back in the office, but I don't see anyone now. I mean, like, Jeff Rope sees <laughs> I see her. Will Jeff be my friend? Rhombus sees I don't uh, need any friends at this oh. point. <laughs> I'm just here to facilitate the show in a disguised voice. I was really hoping I could be friends with a famous person. Yeah, my mom's famous. I thought you said your mom was dead. You can be dead and famous. Yeah, you can be dead and famous. Look at Elvis. Yeah. Who? My mom is Elvis. Who? You heard me. I did, but I don't know who that is. You don't don't know who Elvis is? No. Yeah, very good. (laughs) (laughs) This is Jeff Probst again. <laughs> we can't, we can't help you. <laughs> this boy triangle, you're lost and, well, quite frankly, useless. All of a sudden, a team of golf carts showed up to pick everyone up. Everyone got into their respective carts and drove off, leaving Mr. Triangle in the sand pit to wallow in his self-pity. I guess I'll go drown myself. Son, are we going to the nineteenth hole? Um, I'm pretty sure, Mom, they just wrapped up this show are and canceled we, it. Are we getting cocktails? Uh, <laughs> what, I guess whatever you want, Mom. You oh. guys need to get your golf carts off the green. I'm trying to putt. Phil Mickelson, why are you back? What do you mean, why am I back? I told you I was golfing, and That's you guys right. just drove you guys- Phil Mickelson wrestled off the security guards just so he could get back on the green. He was so dedicated to his craft that he would suffer the grave consequences of of 
<laughs> being kicked off the club by... You'll do anything for that jacket, won't you? He'll do you? anything oh, for I'll that jacket. Oh, I'll do anything. I hit those security guards in the head with my nine iron. Did you kill I think they're dead. <laughs> you killed them? Yeah. Yeah? But anything for the sport that I love. <laughs> this is Jeff Probst. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, you didn't want to golf with me, but you liked the fact that I killed two security guards. Okay. You flip-floppy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile... Back at the Oval Office, with Mr. Circle's absence, a, a new shape had taken residence there and become the, the true mayor of Shape Town. It was Mr. Hexagon. Oh, God. So many responsibilities. So many documents. What do I do? Who elected me? Where am I? Why? Why? Who did this? Spooked. <laughs> well, that was a scary story. Oh my god! And it made sense the whole way through. Uh, uh, yeah, those that was one of the oh easiest storylines to ever follow. <laughs> yeah, I am so confused. <laughs> Johnny, have you ever been scared like that in your life? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, have I ever been that socially uncomfortable? <laughs> oh yeah. No. And that's terrifying in its own right. I, I was going through. I was working through a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of like past traumas that I was working through. But I feel like I, I think that'd be a better tagline for us: the socially uncomfortable podcast. <laughs> it's uh, Jesus, God in heaven. Okay, I'm glad it brought you back through things to work those through, though. I, I'm fifty percent of the way through it. I think. Do we want to finish that up right now? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I just thought, thought about it for ask. a second. I'm like, you, yeah. guys, you, guys look, you guys look friendly. I could probably, you know, I might be able to shed a tear in front of you, but I'm not going to do it today. <laughs> oh, for, for the audience, too. Yeah, we got our live studio audience. That's what we got. We we record every tear on the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you mean in the fishbowl that is the Pacific Junction? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, they're all here eating for us. Eating I've always stuff. wondered what it would feel like to be an exhibit at the zoo. <laughs> what? Do you need bowl. to work through some stuff right now? No, not at all. You've never been to the zoo? I've been to the zoo, but I've never wanted to be. I didn't say I wanted that to be. That sounds There's like a difference between wanting to be and wondering trauma. what it's like. <laughs> like at some point, somebody locked you in the room. And, no, 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 and not at all. I was never locked in the room, so I never knew what it was like. That's Denial what I'm 101. Mm. Yeah. First step to recovery is accepting yeah. that there's a problem. And. Uh, are we all going to the zoo? Let's I go to the zoo. To the zoo. <laughs> I think uh, the high-level high takeaway from that is we're going to the zoo. I've been saying that for years. Nobody wants to go to the zoo with let's me. Let's take a lift to the zoo and track each other. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> let's do some plugs. Johnny, what would you like to plug? Uh, well, uh, I don't want to plug. I guess I could plug my podcast. I have a podcast yeah. called The Gear Dive for Golf WRX. Um... That's like a golf geek, gearhead, tech junkie golf show. It'll be more golf accurate than this podcast. Is that correct? Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Phil Mickelson, uh, you know, in this, in, at this point, he showed up with a, a, a slight Canadian accent, which I thought was very charming. <laughs> yep. And uh, also with a, you know, very short fuse. Uh, <laughs> He's at the end yep. of his rope, I think. And uh, what else can I plug? Uh, let, me, let me think here. Um, I guess that's kind of it. I mean, they, you know, the film company we're, that I'm a partner in, you know, where we have a bunch of uh, scary stuff coming out here in the next uh, 12 months. We're working on a 
film about the Los Feliz murder mansion. And Ooh. do you guys know anything about that? A little bit. Um, that the 1140 Royal Street house in New Orleans, which is uh, Kathy Bates' character, was based on Madame uh, Laurie yeah. oh, okay. and uh, yep. American yeah, yeah, Horror yeah. Story. Mm-hmm. Um, Glenn Tavern Inn in Santa Paula. We're developing a film around that. We should be shooting that in the next year. That's a really super crazy haunted hotel. And then uh, the Conjured Chest, which is uh, all these things you can look up literally on YouTube and look up on Paranormal Activity or Paranormal mm-hmm. sh- uh, the Zach Baggins uh, show. Mm-hmm he's done shows on all these places but they're uh, all properties that we're developing that all should be ready to go and either get filmed or have will be in the can by i would say by the end of 2019 so wow um los Feliz murder house is probably the scariest of all those stories you guys want me to tell you about that story yeah. sure let's hear about yeah. it okay so in i might get the dates a little screwed up because i'm a little tired but 19 say the 1950s um this is in Los Angeles. Los Feliz is a pretty, you know, uh, highbrow community now in in Hollywood, and where the Glendower House sits, which is the it's the Glendower property, it sits right below the Enos House, which is the Frank Lloyd Wright House that was in like House on Haunted Hill, the original mm-hmm. one. And uh, right around Christmas time in the nineteen, I think it was nineteen fifty nine, a doctor named Harold Perelson came home late at night and took a ball pen hammer and smashed his wife's face in killing her and then went after the kids he had three kids and uh the kids got away now i'm going to tell you the urban legend version of the story because it's a little sexier than the real story but the, it, the parallels are pretty close to the same but what the urban legend had been for a long time was that he'd gone in taken a cup of acid swallowed it lighted next to his wife and just died out killed himself which he okay. did he ended up killing himself but in a different way in real life um so the most interesting thing about that house is is if the three of us or the four of us would have shown up to the house two years ago and looked in the window we would see um christmas presents the remains of a old tree which obviously wouldn't still be there but mm-hmm. the little the little platform that was on um mm-hmm. old time magazines basically a time capsule the night of the murder okay that's where the mystique of the house because the new owners people that bought it after the murder didn't live there for whatever reason okay. and the idea was that they had bought the house to be their their family house and the old man had gone in there was going to start to renovate and for whatever reason he never really expressed this to his family members uh he decided not to live to move the family and they never rented it out they never did anything his story was like i don't want to touch that house i'm just going to leave it and what they used mm-hmm. it for was for deceased member uh family member storage so when somebody passed away they would take all their relics and throw it in this house okay and there's a bunch of different theories to why that happened but ultimately it was just a vacant house three or four million dollar house in the middle of a really wealthy like a, it's a mansion it's huge wow. mm-hmm. And um, so, obviously, you know, they would get vagrants and people that would go in there and break in the house and go do drugs and sleep and find shelter. But the odd thing about it was that whenever the cops would go in there and pull people out, nobody was in the central part of the house. There's like a kitchen and there's bedrooms and there's beds in there and places where people could be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, people would be out in the corners of the house, like in the basement in the corner. So it's almost like if you are in a scary situation, you're going to go to the corner and get as close to the outside as you can so that you can see out to what's out there. That's where they would find people, which is the most Ooh. uncomfortable place in the whole house. Like yeah. there was places you can, yeah. you could hang out like there's couches and, and um, you know, they've pulled people out there that were mumbling all sorts of crazy stuff and people whose hair had turned your know, patches of white found in their hair. And once again, a lot of this is urban legend. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, 
but uh, it's a really scary place. So oddly enough, about a year and a half ago, um, the family that owned it, the, the last family member had passed away and Lisa Bloom, the attorney that uh, I think is Gloria Aldred's daughter, her and her husband purchased it now and are re renovating the house. And, okay. but um, that story and the stories that have happened since the night of the murder, the kids completely disappeared. So they got shipped off to the East coast. Nobody knows where they're at. Um, one of the scary things is the night of the murder, the, the oldest daughter, uh, I think her name was Judy. She ran out of the house and was banging on neighbors' doors, covered in blood because she'd been hit in the head. He hadn't, he tried to hit her or he oh, hit her. Okay. She got mm -hmm. away and the neighbor, a couple of the neighbors wouldn't open the door for her. And, um, the woman that lives across the street from the house is a pretty, pretty famous Beverly Hills dentist now, but she was, she saw the whole thing go down as a kid says, this is her childhood house. So she, she saw the whole, wow. So it's a scary, hmm. it's a pretty dark, yeah, dark. Mm -hmm. So creating narratives around that for a film is a little challenging. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, that's one that, I mean, it's uh, the American horror story sort of touched on elements of that story in the first season. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Murder house with Dylan McDermott. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's sort of the idea of like this, house with history mm -hmm. that this family moves yeah. into yeah um but they don't go into as you know as deep as they could have but it's um it's just it's a really scary oh. scary story so mm -hmm. um so that's yeah we that's one of the things that you know i guess my favorite thing to develop is scary stuff and you know those are four four properties that we've chased down in the last couple of years that uh we're turning into movies but it's you know it's all off but it's fun it's amazing nice. anyway yeah, yeah. So watch movies, watch scary movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for those to come out. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. Keep an hopefully, eye out. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see. But we'll be tweeting that out at Spooked Podcast. Put it on the Twitter. As well as on the sonarnetwork.com, you'll be able to see a full profile on Johnny, as well as links to the social medias. And thank you to Pacific Junction Hotel and Eggplant Picture and Sound for hooking us up with this beautiful space. Just got Spooked. 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 This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.